Welcome to Whores Talk Whore. We're not really whores. We just like wordplay. Hello and welcome to Horrors Talk Horror. I'm Sharon. And I'm Melinda. And today we're going to talk about one of the most unusual, beautiful, and frankly baffling places in existence, the Winchester Mansion, now famously known as the Winchester Mystery House, located in San Jose, California. What the heck is it? Why the heck is it? We'll be talking about the origins of this architectural wonder and hopefully distinguish fact from the very well-known fiction that's mostly circulated today. But quick disclosure, we're going to do our best to cover as much as we can, of course, but uh, we're no experts and there is a considerable amount of detail involved in this story. And a lot of it's been lost to time and history, unfortunately. So bear with us. Let's just dive right in. I think the good place to start is just the very basics. Sharon, would you mind starting us off a little bit, please? Sure. All right, before I read this, I just have to say I do not know much about the Winchester house. I watched the second episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved, and like <laughs> that was the that's basically it. I haven't seen the movie or anything, so I'm very excited uh, to hear what you have to say about it. So Ripley's.com describes the Winchester Mansion as a, quote, a home where stairs end abruptly at the ceilings, doors open onto brick walls, and glittered stained glass windows are adorned with spiderweb designs, end quote. That sounds really cool. (laughs) It is very cool. Uh, The property was purchased in 1884 by Sarah Winchester, widow of William Wirt Winchester and heir to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. More on Mrs. Winchester in a bit. Originally an eight-room farmhouse, Sarah purchased both the house and its surrounding 161 acres of farmland in the Santa Clara Valley, which is now modern-day San Jose, and began a vast, ambitious building project, to say the least. From roughly 1886 to 1922, construction seemingly never ceased on the house, and the eight-room farmhouse grew into the unusual mansion we know today. Why is it so unusual? Sharon, would you mind reading us some stats? I will read the stats, but really quick, can you describe the surrounding area? Because I've only seen pictures of just like, you know, street view from the front. I've never really seen like the surrounding areas of it is it like in the middle of a city suburb type now it is yeah it's in the middle of downtown san jose which is basically silicon valley okay so literally it used to obviously be this sprawling estate and it is still because like the grounds you know they've built up the grounds for tourism now Mm -hmm. but it's really strange to be standing in front of this like huge like victorian queen anne style mansion with like Yahoo's like offices like right across the street. It's really a oh, weird. strange place. Yeah, I have pictures. We'll get we'll t- we'll talk about that too, but all right. I have visuals for you later. So the stats. It is a 24,000 square foot mansion. It has 10,000 windows. That's a lot of Windex. <laughs> 2,000 doors, 160 rooms that we know of. Thank you. <laughs> 52 skylights. 47 stairways and fireplaces, 17 chimneys, 13 bathrooms, 6 kitchens, built at a price tag of $5 million in 1923 or $71 million today. I have a question. Yes, sir. Who cleans this massive property? I will tell you shortly. That's Sharon's question. My question is, it says there's 47 stairways and fireplaces, Yes. but then there's 17 chimneys. So... Is it 17 chimneys and fireplaces? Wait, wait. Why am I asking a question about the wind? This is this is like the most ridiculous house. I don't I even know say, why I'm asking. I was going to say, considering there's staircases that go up to a ceiling. Yeah, but 47 staircases and fireplaces. Is it 47 <laughs> each or is it in total there's 47 stairways and fireplaces? Yeah, I'm Sorry. not sure how to answer that. Let's hold that thought. Okay, okay, okay. Equally odd and luxurious, the interiors of the mansion feature gold and silver chandeliers, hand 
inlaid parquet flooring and dozens of stained glass windows designed and created specifically for the mansion by Tiffany and Company, as in, yes, that Tiffany and Company. In fact, Mr. Tiffany, I don't have his first name in front of me at the moment, but he personally designed a bunch of the windows for Sarah. Sharon, what else about what else was interesting about the house? Well, according to what you typed, <laughs> um, <laughs> it was designed to accommodate high tech inventions of the time, like ooh, indoor plumbing, fancy, lucky uh, people didn't have it, including coveted hot running water, push button gas lighting, and forced air heating available throughout the home, and three elevators. Mindy, which went nowhere. Mindy was complaining about some problems where she's living now, and she doesn't even have some of those features currently. So <laughs> this is a really high tech for those times. It was, yeah. I'm exaggerating, but I'm also not far off, Mindy. No, you're not. <laughs> um, the home was built, and I didn't know this until I started researching this for the episode, but I think this is really interesting. The home was built on what's called a floating foundation which is a foundation that equals the weight of the surrounding soil, a type of construction that allows the home to shift freely as it is not, so it's not, it's not completely attached to the brick base. Oh, um, interesting. I wonder yeah. if that's like um, common in California where well, there's a lot of earthquakes. this feature saved the entire house from collapsing during the San Francisco earthquake of 1906. Even still, the mansion sustained hefty damage from the quake the majority of which resulted in the removal of the top three floors, bringing the originally seven stories high mansion down to the four that we know today. Oh, there was three more stories? Yep, dude. Oh my God. Wow. So that's the basic Cliff Notes gist version. Now let's talk origin story, because there's always a good origin story. And let's talk about the mansion's reclusive creator, Sarah Winchester, who's really the star of this show. So... Born Sarah Lockwood Pardee in New Haven, Connecticut, her exact date of birth and even birth year are not exactly known, uh, but thanks to scarce historical information that we do still have around, it suggests that she was born somewhere between 1835 and 1845. Um, Sarah was a child prodigy. Uh, who by the age of 12 was fluent in Latin, French, Spanish, and Italian. (laughs) I feel like a total slacker now. Uh, She studied the classics, most notably Homer and Shakespeare, and was even a talented musician. So a perfect mix of brains and beauty that did not go unnoticed by New Haven society, who came to refer to her as the Belle of New Haven. Um, At an early age, Sarah was admitted to Yale's only female scholastic institution that at the time was known as Young Ladies Collegiate Institute. Um, At the time, both Yale and New Haven were hubs of progressive, Freemasonic, Rosicrucian thinking and activity, and it's thought that many of Sarah's relatives themselves were Freemasons. Put a pin in that for now. Can I just commend you on your pronunciation of Rosicrucian. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I didn't know how to say well, that. Well, yeah, I didn't know really? how to say it either. And we always joke about you pronouncing things. <laughs> Nailed it. She's been practicing for weeks. But yes, you, thank, you're welcome. Thank you. Whatever. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. welcome. <laughs> you're welcome for me being able pr- to pronounce that. I learned English recently. It was great. I used to being good. I just used up all my brain cells on saying Rosicrucian. Bye. <laughs> so let's talk about Mr. Winchester, William Wirt Winchester. That's a lot of W's. Can we talk about the name Wirt? <laughs> Spelled <Right>? W-I-R-T. <laughs> That's his, literally his name. Uh, he was born in Baltimore on July 22nd, 1837. He was the only son of Oliver Fisher Winchester and Jane Ellen Hope. Soon after William's birth, the Winchesters moved to New Haven, where Father Oliver started a clothing manufacturing company with his business partner and gradually became rather wealthy. How do you do that? Gradually become rather wealthy. Dude, he was enterprising and it was the 1800s. And if you knew how to do what you were doing, uh, later 
Oliver Winchester channeled his efforts into firearms manufacturing, a venture that in 1866 evolved into the famous Winchester Repeating Arms Company, creators of the Winchester Rifle Model 73. The gun was literally called the gun that won the West. So think like the Old West shooters like Wild Bill Hickok or Annie Oakley, that kind of gun. Like Sarah, William also attended Yale College at the time. He wasn't with the ladies? It was a college. It wasn't. No, he was not part of the collegiate young lady society, but it was Yale College still. It was the infant, not Yale University. I attended Yale College. It's not a big deal. (laughs) I mean, it was just on a tour, but... (laughs) You attended it. I attended it. (laughs) So he went there. So he was a smarty pants and he was raised by an educated family who also as the story goes, had ties to the Freemasons as well. Uh, The Winchester and party families were good friends, and by all accounts, Sarah and William were roughly the same age and both considered quite the catch. Despite a practically arranged marriage setup, Sarah and William actually really did fall in love and were married on September 30th, uh, 1862. Their only child, Annie Party Winchester came into the world on July 12th, 1866, but unfortunately, due to an infantile disease known as, how do I say this, Sharon? Marasmus? Marasmus. Very good. Thank you. Um, Which, if you're like me and don't know, it's a severe form of malnutrition due to the body's inability to metabolize proteins. So young Annie Winchester only lived for 40 days before she passed away. Uh, By this time, old man Winchester, Oliver, William's father, he died in 1880, leaving the Winchester Repeating Arms Company to his only son. Unfortunately, again, William himself died of tuberculosis a year later at the age of 43. Back then, they probably called it consumption. Maybe. The double loss of Annie and William left Sarah devastated. It also left her a rich widow with an inheritance of $20 million plus nearly 50% of the Winchester Arms stock, which, in turn, earned her approximately $1,000 per day in royalties for the rest of her life, making Sarah one of the wealthiest women in the world for that time. Wow. Yeah. Now, this is real. According to Ralph Rambo, and yes, that's his name, Uh, He was a real person, and he actually knew Sarah Winchester. Uh, According to him, Sarah went on a three-year world tour after the death of her husband before she decided to settle in California in 1884. Initially, she took up residence in the San Francisco Bay Area, but Sarah eventually moved inland to the Santa Clara Valley to buy an intimate eight-room farmhouse from Dr. (laughs) Robert Caldwell, her motive was rumored to be closer to her party relatives, most of whom were scattered from Sacramento all the way to the Bay Area at the time. So what happened next is where details get fuzzy and any facts, quote unquote, have now become mostly folklore. The most widely accepted version of the story is this. Sarah Winchester, plagued with grief over her lost family, was also haunted by the deaths caused by the Winchester rifles over the years. Allegedly, a psychic named Adam Coons told Sarah to move west to build an ever-growing home either for all of the spirits of victims killed by the Winchester rifles or, as is more commonly heard, to hide from the victims of Winchester rifles. This explained the mansion's labyrinth interior design. The house was built to trick angry, vengeful spirits by leading them up staircases to nothing or out a door that opens onto a 15-foot free fall to the ground, or so they say. Sarah also believed, allegedly, that the never-ending construction was keeping her own death at bay. She held nightly seances in her seance room. She was a spiritualist and was hiding from the Winchester curse. One of 
the many links that'll be in our show notes mention that allegedly Sarah referred to the Winchester fortune as blood money and it had cursed her beloved husband and baby daughter. To be fair, at the time Sarah was alive, psychics and seances were all the rage in America. And while Sarah was known to society, she really wasn't part of society all that much. Uh, Sarah was often described as being rather shy. She was kind of the girl that would rather stay in and read a book over, like, you know, attending a ball or a large social event. The truth really could have simply been that Sarah just preferred keeping to herself and building her damn house. But since since gossip's got a gossip, the story that's endured over time, for better or worse, is that a rich grieving widow, following the advice of a psychic, built a labyrinth of a house from which to hide from angry spirits and channel those of her deceased loved ones. Yes, Sharon. To be fair, that is a much more interesting story than she was just an introvert. <laughs> it is, but... Wait till you hear what happens next. All right. I'm I'm intrigued. Keep going. Keep going. So here's what we do actually know. Sarah Winchester was the mastermind or madwoman, depending on how you look at it, behind the mansion's architecture. She employed 16 carpenters who worked in shifts to keep construction going 24-7 until she died on September 5th, 1922, when she succumbed to heart failure. We also know that Sarah's will called for her estate to be divided up into generous portions and distributed among a number of charities and her faithful servants of many years. Her favorite niece and secretary, Marion Marriott, (laughs) oversaw the removal and sale of all of Sarah's furnishings and personal property But Sarah's will said nothing about the mansion and its potential future. So really quick, Spencer, when we were talking about all the fireplaces and chimneys, um, when you do the house tour, they can show you. But Sarah had actually built a lot of stuff in to make work easier for her servants. And so the fire, not all the fireplaces were attached to chimneys, but they all had a trap to brush all the ash down to the basement so that theoretically everybody can just shove everything down the the chute and then clean it out of the boiler in the basement at the end of the day. So some of the the fireplaces were just to burn decorative candles from Pottery Barn? (laughs) Or home goods. Or home goods, okay. Um, So, okay, so... Yeah, Sharon, as you said, like Sarah, the spiritualist theory is interesting and it's in it's endured, obviously, fueled by gossip and rumors alone. And what's more, Sarah left behind no journals, nothing personal to allow us even a peek into her mind and argue otherwise, really. The house itself didn't even have formal blueprints. Sarah would sketch her ideas onto napkins or even tablecloths, designing the mansion essentially on the fly. Personally, I don't totally buy the Sarah spiritualist idea entirely, and this is why. Are there any theories that she's the female H.H. Holmes? No. Very similar uh, building plans. Yeah, but there there is another theory. We'll get there. Okay. So Sarah obviously was extraordinary for her time. I mean, you know, she was well-bred and well-educated and a woman. And what women went to, to Yale, you know, at that time. She was a child prodigy. She could speak multiple languages. She's an accomplished lady. And it's for these reasons that I find it hard to believe that Sarah was so devastated and traumatized after her family's death that suddenly she turned to the occult. Henrietta Sievers, Sarah's closest companion and nurse of many years, firmly denied that Mrs. Winchester had any spiritualist leanings whatsoever. That psychic who told Sarah to build the house, there's actually no real evidence, not even hearsay, that suggests Sarah even knew Adam Coons, let alone consulted him for psychic advice, and then went and built a crazy mansion. So, okay, what the fuck, right? Remember how I talked about Freemasons earlier? Mm -hmm. Let's go back to that. Allegedly, 
Many of Sarah's cousins and uncles on the party side of the family were Freemasons. Sarah herself was raised during a time when Freemason and Rosicrucian theories were taking root in New England, and most of Sarah's educators at Yale were thought to be Masons themselves. Theoretically, Sarah would have at least been familiar with Freemasonry thought and symbolism, and Winchester Mansion itself contains clues that strongly suggest that Sarah wasn't just a student of Freemasonry tradition, but was a Mason herself. Now, quick time out for anyone not familiar, Freemasons are a fraternal order that trace back to the 13th century and is described as a, quote, beautiful system of morality veiled in allegory and illustrated by symbols. That doesn't help. Uh, well, just remember that, that, that part. Um, a large part of Masonic culture involves finding the path to a higher, if not total, state of enlightenment. Uh, Freemason culture and symbolism is one hell of a rabbit hole. If anyone listening is interested, uh, feel free to jump down that on the internet. But the gist, they're a secret society that is still in existence today and frequently the subject of any number of conspiracy theories. So that being said, remember how Sarah went on that world tour? Mm -hmm. Well, the Queen Anne style of the Winchester Mansion was something that was very popular in Europe during the time that Sarah theoretically would have been there. And while, yes, Freemasons are a fraternal organization, meaning no girls allowed, even in 1881, there actually existed literally, I think, maybe two guilds in Europe. The larger of the two was located in France. And they did actually allow women when appropriate. So I bring this up because given Sarah's intellect, her wealth, and her family connections, supposedly, many believe Sarah became a Freemason while in France around 1880, and that the proof of this lies within the Winchester Mansion. So this things can get real conspiracy theory around like this territory, but I do think it's really interesting. Um, Two symbols that appear repeatedly throughout the Winchester Mansion as, say, patterns in the stained glass windows or as a symbol on the iron gates of the estate's entry, they're images of daisies or sunbursts or sometimes both. Both are very popular within Masonic culture, representing innocence and fidelity, and Sarah loved them so much that the designs even appear on the postcards and t-shirts in the gift shop of the current tourist attraction. There's, again, tons online about the features of the grand ballroom of the house. I'm not even going to try and touch even half of them, but one feature that is repeatedly mentioned as another Masonic symbol is the parquet floor in the grand ballroom. Its design is a series of light and dark squares set in a pattern that's apparently almost identical to the pattern of all Masonic lodges. And I got to take their word for it on that because I've never been in a Masonic lodge. Interesting. I've actually heard, because I think in on my dad's side, um, his mom, her father, I believe, was a Freemason. And I thought I heard somewhere I could be totally wrong because I'm not an expert at all on Freemasons. But I thought if... Uh, like your daughter or if you're a, a daughter of a Freemason that you're almost kind of like grandfathered into it somehow? No, no, women mostly are not. I mean, these days there are more um, lodges in America even that do accept women, but they're still few and far between. Mm. Um, it's mostly a fraternal order. Um, but since we're talking about Freemason symbols and we're already in the ballroom, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the infamous Shakespeare windows, which are two literally stunning stained glass windows featuring the following phrases. One reads, quote, wide unclasp the tables, their thoughts, unquote, and the other, quote, these same thoughts people this little world, unquote. Both of those are from Shakespeare plays. The first phrase is from, and I apologize if I'm saying this wrong, Troilus and Cressida. 
Uh, and it refers to uh, Cressida's somewhat flirtatious nature in the play. But the second quote that I read is from Richard II, and it refers to the imprisoned Richard and that his thoughts make up the small world of his confinement. An odd choice for a ballroom decor, for sure, but some see that this is a possible nod to, now we dive deeper, philosopher Francis Bacon, whose work Sarah was rumored to be interested in. So hang with me, because this is all going to come together, but I got to get all this backstory out. Francis Bacon, whose great-grandson was Kevin Bacon, so Sarah Winchester was three degrees away from Kevin Bacon. And I heard Kevin Bacon has a huge dong. <laughs> I, I know he does because I've seen wild things. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so again, the Cliff Notes version, uh, Bacon's works essentially developed the scientific method as we know it today. And he was quite active in the scientific revolution. What's more, he's rumored to be the father of what is modern day Freemasonry, he authored the King James Version of the Bible and added... And I thought God authored that. <laughs> Shut up, Spencer. <laughs> and added Masonic clues within the text, or so people say. And I don't know if you've ever heard that rumor about how Shakespeare's works weren't really written by William Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bacon is the guy most people think actually was the true playwright. Oh, I actually... I was not familiar with that. Interesting. Okay. So in 1605, Francis Bacon created what's now known as the Baconian cipher. (laughs) Baconian. I don't know. (laughs) I mean, that sounds better, Baconian. Um, But basically, it's a method of steganographic message encoding where a message is concealed in the presentation of the text rather than its content. Some think that Shakespeare's first folio specifically contains complex puzzles concealed within the text and added by Francis Bacon. To my knowledge, this has mostly been disproven. Regardless, Bacon held a strong belief that a path to higher enlightenment is achieved through a greater understanding of the arts, science, and math. And that does sound a little bit kind of like what the Masonic folk, folks were talking about, right? enlightenment and all this kind of stuff so most oddities built into the mansion many believe have nothing to do with ghosts and everything to do with sarah creating an ever-changing work of art that's one big ass code waiting to be solved one reason for this and kind of a major one i think the prime numbers found repeatedly throughout the mansion specifically numbers 7 11 and the most prominent number, 13. Sarah even had a chandelier reworked to hold 13 candles instead of 12. There are 13 sink drains, various sets of 13 wall hooks installed within the home, and even 13 bathrooms. Don't forget, 13 circles of color in the sunburst pattern stained glass windows, as well as regular windows with 13 panes 13 paneled ceilings, as well as 13 step stairways. In the end, Sarah Winchester's will had, you guessed it, 13 parts. And guess how many times she signed it? 15 times? (laughs) I think we know the answer. Then there's the infamous switchback staircase in the house. And we'll post a picture of this staircase, but it's hard to describe Um, But it basically is a staircase that kind of winds around while not seeming to go super high. It includes 44 two-inch high steps and seven complete turns. The staircase travels about 100 feet and only nine feet from the storeroom to the hayloft. The seven turns are thought to refer to the story of Jacob's Ladder Mm. with its seven rungs each resembling a step closer to a higher power. This story is also embraced by, guess who? Freemasons, as their rituals all revolve around reaching enlightenment and often also heavily involve the numbers 7, 11, and 13. Obviously, I'm not even scratching the surface here, but in the interest of time, 
we can only talk about so much. Um, but the Masonic definition of beautiful system of morality veiled in allegory and illustrated by symbols feels rather appropriate when associated with Winchester Mansion, regardless of the architect's intentions. So... As for the rumored hauntings of Winchester, most reports have actually come from guests or employees of the home long after Sarah passed away. They mostly sound like residual type haunts, essentially like an impression of energy left on a location long after an event occurred. The ghosts reported don't seem to interact with living people, but just go about the same actions at the same time every day. Think like a tape recorder or a film strip just playing on repeat. One such ghost is named Clyde. Sharon, would you mind telling us a little bit about Clyde? Sure. All right. So this comes from WinchesterMysteryHouse.com. A number of employees and a few visitors claim to have crossed paths with Clyde, a mustachioed man sometimes seen pushing a wheelbarrow in the basement or trying to repair the fireplace in the ballroom. He's been described to management roughly like this. We really like the actor who is repairing the ballroom fireplace, wearing white overalls and a Victorian boater hat. Huh? We didn't hire an actor. Kind of reminds me of um, Haunting of Hill House. Right? Purportedly experienced in the grand ballroom and the chilly basement of the estate, other common residual type hauntings involve the famous wheelbarrow ghost working on the fireplace or pushing a wheelbarrow full of ash or coal. So kind of people just going about their business, you know, nothing crazy. Now, that said, the Winchester Mystery House website used to have a blog that luckily their archives are still live called Hidden in the Clouds. And uh, this next story has a visual, which of course we'll post online, um, but it comes from an employee of the Winchester Mystery House, and she posted it back when the blog was live. And here's what she had to say. Sharon, would you do the honors? Sure. It was a late autumn afternoon in 2015. I was taking photos of the exterior of the house for the Winchester Mystery House Facebook page. Many weeks later, I finally got around to editing the photos and clearing them off the memory card. I was about to delete one particular photo when something caught my eye. Taking a closer look, I immediately thought an image in the second story window was a reflection caused by the overcast day. However, when I enlarged the photo, I was astonished to see what I thought were simply reflections of clouds actually resembled a translucent figure complete with head, neck, shoulders, etc. I'm usually a skeptic in such matters and still think it's a cloud reflection, but others could see it differently. What do you think? So I know you guys can't see it listening, but we'll post it online. Um, Sharon and Spencer, if you click the link that I have there on the page, let's t- I just want to hear what you guys think of the image holy fucking shit no sorry (laughs) scared the shit out of me but be sure to scroll down because they do show closer where okay i was gonna say let me get my magnifying glass right um let's see Ooh, this one and if you keep going it there's a close close picture at the bottom all right well i wouldn't say it's a close close picture um hold on let me the very bottom one no i see it it's not a close close picture though let me zoom in a little bit I mean, I can kind of see what they're talking about. It doesn't have any legs, but I can kind of see what could be considered a head and a neck. And yeah, the shoulders, I can see all that. But yeah, I'm going to have to say it's probably just a reflection. I thought maybe like a sheet, like if they were painting or doing repairs or like a curtain or some sort. Because yeah, I don't know that that reads ghost to me but no it doesn't ring ghost but also it doesn't ring clouds either it's very square like there's no straight lines like that in clouds okay so there's a few things going on i think i think first of all it is curtains of some kind because a lot of the other windows have curtains in them Mm -hmm. but in addition to the curtains i i do also think that it is reflections of the cloud and it's you know that hard edge on the left side i think is just like you know, the edge of the window or the edge of something. Um, mm. But so, yeah, I mean, I, I very much see the the person shape in there, but I also think that if a person were standing there, their head wouldn't be cut off. That's a way too tall 
for like a person to be in there. Not that a ghost couldn't like levitate higher, but you know, normally we see these in like a normal person position. Right. Um, the head's not cut off. This is their head right here. And yeah, that- but the window is cutting off the top of it. They're yeah, way that, too high in the window. They should be much lower down if there were like well, a it's ghost fitting. standing Yeah, there. that would be more of an argument uh, that it is a ghost. No, I, I guess, but it's like... Because there's it, no it, legs. It looks like it's it, floating, whatever it, it is. Right, yeah, but... Nah. We'll let you guys uh, all decide for yourselves. We'll post a picture, but mm-hmm. I just was... I would thank you because I wanted to get your guys' reaction. Yeah, I'm not convinced. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm either. not either. No, but it's a fun story. So... After all that we've been talking about, the question remains, what the fuck is the Winchester Mansion and why did Sarah build it the way she did? They should sell shirts in the gift shop that say, what the fuck is the Winchester Mansion? Or they should say, why is the Winchester Mansion? Uh, If anybody listening who works there hears that, we came up with this first, just saying that right now. (laughs) We get a cut. Again, unfortunately, we have little factual info to go on, but everything mentioned in this episode, if Googled, will definitely start you on an unending rabbit hole online that is super enjoyable. And yes, there are plenty of legitimately whack job theories out there, but also some not so whack job theories, not to mention clues that the Winchester Mansion might even have yet to reveal. Chances are we just haven't found the right clue yet. Uh, The Winchester Mansion achieved historical landmark status in 1974, and in 2016, an entirely new room was found, boarded up and hidden within the home. The home's preservation team opened the new room, which turned out to be an attic space that had been boarded up since Sarah Winchester died in 1922. Winchester boarded up the room after becoming trapped in it during the 1906 earthquake. That's nuts. Yeah. Uh, The ghost story version says that Sarah thought that evil spirits were responsible for the quake, so she boarded up the room never to enter it again. The preservation team found numerous items in the room, including a pump organ, a Victorian couch, a dress form, sewing machine, and paintings. That's really cool, though. Right? Quick question. So earlier... What was it? Oh, the um, the ghost, uh, the ghost like fixing things. You know, the Victorian looking ghost reminded me of the haunting of Hill House. Wasn't there in Bly Manor? Wasn't there like a boarded up room with like all this furniture and stuff? I I only watched Bly Manor once. Oh, it was uh, where the um, the Miss what's her face, the the nanny and the Peter whatever's face, where they would meet up. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. It's where it was would... like closed off. It wasn't boarded up, but it was like closed okay. off. Okay. I'm just wondering. I actually and people weren't allowed in there typically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. there's all this furniture and stuff in there. But I think it was like the somebody like the original owner's room because everything had sheets over it or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was remember. just curious because I never finished reading um, the Turn of the Screw, so I'm just curious if it's possible that Flanagan took some of this lore from the Winchester and kind of incorporated some of those aspects into his. I don't think so. I think so. Um, Not a bad idea, but, um, you know. But you're wrong. (laughs) You're so fucking stupid. All right, go ahead. (laughs) Well, so on the subject of that 1906 earthquake, uh, remember that it severely damaged the house, reducing it from its seven floors to the existing four. I mean, ugh, like peasants live with four stories. <laughs> um, were I in Sarah's place and found myself trapped in a room after an earthquake, I'd probably never want to go into that room again either. One easy solution would be to board the damn thing up and just build new rooms. And something tells me that Winchester, though, may have a little bit more to reveal someday. There is one more theory I ran across for the very first time while researching for this episode, and regardless of the truth, I'm pretty sure this is my favorite theory. Winchester's motivations may have had everything to do with revenge and nothing to do with the supernatural. According to io9's Annalie Newitz, apologies if I mispronounced your name, Uh, Annalie and her research for the California American Studies Association annual meeting, uh, what's rarely mentioned in the Winchester Mystery House history is that 
Winchester was only a partial heir to the company. The company president was Sarah's brother-in-law, William Converse. And he essentially... Wait, is he the owner of the Converse shoe fortune? Who then went on to... No, no, I know, but isn't that funny? Like all these names, it's weird. Names are weird. Uh, and he essentially pushed her out of any and all company decisions. So Sarah headed west while the leaders of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company flailed about trying to continue the success of their mass-produced rifles. And shoes. And shoe Converse shoes. So perhaps Sarah Winchester started building her house to throw away the family fortune. Instead of pouring her profits back into the company, she funneled them into the house as an admittedly brilliant way to give her relatives the financial middle finger from across the country. I mean, it's not super far-fetched, especially considering that negotiations to sell the Winchester Company started the same year she died and didn't they weren't completed until 1931. I mean, she could have also just donated to charity. Well, she did when she died and she I made, mean, instead of funneling into this batshit banana's house, she could have just, you know, helped some people out. <laughs> well, to be fair, her servants stayed with her as long as they did because she did apparently pay extraordinarily well. And her construction team was paid extraordinarily well. That's just a few people, though. I mean, no, I don't know. It, whatever. If this is the true story, I honestly think that's a huge waste of money because that could have gone to help needy people around the world. Oh, so. I doubt that she did that to piss off her relatives. I just thought it was funny. Um, so ultimately, the story really has no actual ending and no real answer but hopefully Sarah's story will stick with all of you and provide at least a little bit of context from a 2021 viewpoint some logical answers have been revealed that switchback staircase the seven turns two inch high steps only traveling nine feet well Sarah Winchester suffered from horrible rheumatoid arthritis but still wanted to travel throughout her maze of a home. The steps may be excessive, but Sarah wouldn't have to exert as much effort to climb them as she would with normal steps. That's why they were built that way. And the numbers, again, this is just my speculation, but maybe Sarah had obsessive compulsive tendencies that might explain why she rarely allowed visitors through the front door, but instead asked them to enter from another side of the house entirely. The death of her husband and daughter could have exasperated any existing issues she may have already had. All the secret passageways and spy holes from room to room. Sarah paid her servants very well, both while alive and in the will she signed 13 times, but she might still have occasionally spied on the help. Again, we can really only speculate. What we can explain is how Winchester Mansion became the Winchester Mystery House that it is today. Sharon, would you do us the honors? Yes. After the house was cleared out and appraisers thought it worthless, the mansion was eventually sold at auction to a local investor, then leased for 10 years to John and Mamie Brown, who eventually bought the place. Given all the stories, rumors, and gossip about Sarah Winchester and her strange, strange mansion, the public was, to put it mildly, curious about what the place looked like inside. So, in February 1923, only five months after Sarah Winchester's death, the house was open to the public, with Mamie Brown serving as the first tour guide. Today, the home is owned by Winchester Investments, LLC, a privately held company representing the descendants of John and Mamie Brown. So I just want to stop really quick and point out the fact that people were so damn nosy that they couldn't even wait a year until the late Mrs. Winchester had passed away before they just like barged in and started gawking at her house is just gross to me. In the end, I, I just think Sarah was a shy person, smart and ahead of her time, but definitely heartbroken and deeply grieving. And of Sarah, her servants were fiercely protective. In fact, they solved one mystery in one of the ballrooms before the Browns or anyone else could step foot on the property. Sharon, tell us about that. In the middle of this ballroom stands a door. When Sarah was alive, the door was always locked, and she always carried the key. After her death, 
The staff took the key and opened the door. There was a vault inside, so they opened that too. There was another vault and another nesting vaults. <laughs> yep. Um, and when they finally opened the innermost of the five vaults, they found a treasure unlike any they were probably expecting. Inside the innermost vault was a lock of her husband's hair, a lock of her daughter's hair, and their obituaries. That was not what I was expecting. Well, again, perhaps Winchester Mansion was the intricate vault Sarah built for herself in which to store her own broken heart. Aww. <laughs> Truthfully, like, that, that is what mattered the most to her, I think says yeah. a lot. Um, so true, true. As, we, as we've alluded to many times, yes, you can absolutely visit and tour the home. It is still located smack dab in the middle of what is now Silicon Valley in San Jose. And the beautiful ornate mansion looks super odd among the modern buildings and fast food restaurants viewable from like literally the front porch. But the house itself is a wonderland once inside and definitely worth a visit. Good friends and listeners of our show, our buddies Mo and Tim, surprised me with a tour when I was visiting them in California for my birthday a few years back. Mo actually surprised me by booking the regular guided mansion tour, as well as what's called the Explore More Tour, which even in before, like BC times, before COVID, groups were limited to roughly six people or so, and you have to, it's mandatory that you wear a hard hat in order to take the tour as a guide takes your group into areas of the house normally closed to the public. Many of them are in very bad shape, unfinished, or straight up dangerous, probably by design, hence the hard hat. Um, so FYI, for those of you who don't like wearing things that can protect you in dangerous or unhealthy situations, you might want to skip that tour. <clears throat> Sarah probably would have preferred it that way anyway in her own home. But for everyone else, it's so fucking worth it. Don't live near San Jose, but still want a tour? You guys, I just found out and totally bought access to the Winchester Virtual Tour. This is a new offering on their website. I'm guessing created to probably accommodate COVID, but it's $9 for unlimited access to the tour forever. And it's fucking awesome the vr filming that they did the virtual reality filming captures the house so perfectly and it looks so fantastic and they plan to make upgrades at some point and that you just get that because you pay nine dollars and for that's what you pay forever and you that's get everything a great deal right so that's why i didn't even think about it um it's not as awesome as the real thing of course but the stained glass on the mansion's front doors are designed to create this spectacular light and color show in the main hallway when light shines through them and oh my god the virtual camera picks that up spectacularly so we're gonna i'm gonna show these guys what it looks like a little bit later but for those of you at home listening it's worth nine bucks. Awesome. Thank you, Mindy. Great job. I learned a lot. Not just about Winchester, uh, the Winchester Mansion, but also about Freemasons and <laughs> a bunch of other things. So thank you so much. Oh, of course. I, I, I feel like there's just, you could talk about this forever and ever and ever. And I want to go back very much so. And I'm curious to bring my dad because um, my uncle actually was a Freemason and they don't, they don't play. Like when he was alive, this was my great uncle. And when he was alive, I, I asked him about it and he literally wouldn't talk about it. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. I knew that much. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm wondering like, you know, if people who know more about that stuff than I do would pick up on things that I just, you know, because there's so much. Yeah. And like the symbolism shit, like that a lot of that came from research like I noticed it while walking around the house but like I didn't think about Jacob's ladder when I went up that staircase you know or whatever it, so it's it's just fascinating was the Freemasons the first fight club the first rule of Freemasons <laughs> is don't talk about 
the Freemasons. Probably. Possibly. They're suppo- of course, they're like, you know, associated with the Illuminati and all that kind of stuff. So who knows? But maybe it's ghosts. Maybe the house is a giant puzzle. I kind of like the idea of the house being like one big giant puzzle because that I, I think that is kind of cooler than a like hidey hole from evil spirits. Um, I will say is that it both. I mean, yeah, could be all. I, I will say that for anyone curious, the movie Winchester with uh, Helen Mirren, uh, despite what they say to advertise it, they did not film in the actual mansion. They did film some exterior shots on the property, but that was it. Um, that said, Sarah Winchester was only like four foot, like seven. She was real tiny. Again, why the stairs were so tiny in her home, because she you know, had tiny feet and tiny reach. But um, at the house, they have on display this black morning dress that she wore for the rest of her days, basically after her husband passed. And that is the actual dress that Helen Mirren wears in the movie playing Sarah Winchester. That seems odd, because I don't think Helen Mirren is that tiny. Yeah, they had it on a like a mannequin, like a dress form. And it didn't look as tiny as you would think, but I mean, they probably could have added hmm. some extra, you know, sewing here and there or something to accommodate and not ruin the actual piece of fabric. I don't know. I've never seen the movie because I've only heard bad things about it, so... All right. Well, thank you all for listening to us. I hope you enjoyed today's little history lesson. Thanks again, Mindy. If you have been to the Winchester Mystery House and saw a ghost either of Clyde or Sarah herself, please send us those stories and we can read them on our show. Oh, yeah. Uh, Write to us at horsetalkhor at gmail.com with any episode ideas. Or what else, Sharon? Uh, Recommendations on what you want us to watch. um, Any haunted places to visit besides the Winchester Mystery House. If you have any true crime stories, creepy stories, whatever you want us to read on the show, please write to us. Please also subscribe to us and rate and review us on your streaming platform of choice. It helps us get more exposure, which helps us to keep the show going, which we really like to do. If you are able to, please do join our Patreon so that you can get early access to episodes, see exclusive posts, and maybe even get some cool goodies in the mail. As always, please be kind to each other out there. Stay safe. And most importantly, as always, thanks thanks for getting creepy with us. Sharon, you want a beer? Uh, Oh, my God.